Hey guys, it's Pablo. Just giving you a courtesy note before we start today's show. Because it contains strong and profane language, including an anti-Semitic slur that you're going to hear a couple times. Jeremy Schaap, you recently sat down for an interview with somebody that we haven't really seen or heard anything from in almost two years now. And I'm talking about NBA free agent Myers Leonard. What made you want to talk to him? Well, it has been nearly two years, Pablo, since this incident on a live gaming session while he was playing Call of Duty. Myers Leonard uh, shouted out an anti-Semitic slur. The anti-Semitic slur, if you will. In that moment, it would soon go viral. It would turn his world upside down. The Miami Heat said that Myers Leonard will be away from the team indefinitely after Leonard used an anti-Semitic slur while playing a video game that was streamed on the internet. It would make him a pariah. This is not something that, oh, I didn't know I said it. It's like we have to be accountable for our words and just to be comfortably saying something that you may not be consciously of, even though you're live, it just sort of shocked me. Now, as he is trying to return to the league, he hasn't played since before this incident took place. It raises, I think, very interesting questions about language, about forgiveness, yeah. about redemption, all these kinds of things. That's why we wanted to talk to Myers Leonard. He's been thinking about this, as you might imagine, for the last couple of years. I still literally, Jeremy, to this day, I feel like I'm living in a bad dream. Like how? Like, no, there's not a hateful cell in my body. He really wanted to go in depth tell his story, talk about what happened, his regrets. And again, this journey to where he is now. I know that I made a huge, huge mistake. And like, how in the world did this ever happen? I couldn't, I couldn't harm, a, harm a fly. You know, Pablo, you've been in this situation many times as well. Someone has done something Someone is now going to talk about it in a one-on-one interview, talk to somebody from the media. Yes. Uh, They want to get their story out there, but there is also an understanding, right? You're going to ask them the important questions. You're going to be skeptical. You're going to push back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're going to give people, though, the chance to tell their side of the story and, and let those who are listening, you know, form their own opinions. If you are anything like me, it had been a very long time since you even thought about Myers Leonard, like at all. It had been years since he was in the news for some of the most awful reasons, reasons that seemed to result in his banishment from the NBA. But then came last November when Kyrie Irving became the new face of the foremost anti-Semitism scandal in not just NBA history, but modern sports history. And I started wondering about the player who came before. And so today, our Jeremy Schapp sits down for the first time with Myers Leonard, 
a person working his way through the modern cycle, the public choreography of truth and reconciliation. And maybe back to the NBA. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, January 31st. And this is ESPN Daily. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Jeremy, before we get back into the moment that made all of this news back in 2021, I do want to remind everybody, because I think they may not have such a clear memory of this part, who he is even and like what Myers Leonard's career had been up until that point. So Myers Leonard uh, comes out of the University of Illinois in 2012. He's drafted in the first round by Portland. He's the 11th pick in the draft. And he's someone who I think was seen with having um, a huge upside. Uh, in high school, he had grown nine inches in one year. I know it's more commonplace now, but someone with exceptional kind of smaller man skills right. in a big man's body. And in Portland, he had a very good rookie year, but then he kept kind of getting uh, shoved uh, down in the rotation. Most of his career, seven years, a long time in Portland, he had not risen to the occasion. No, He had not fulfilled the promise uh, of what people thought he was capable of. But then in in what would turn out to be the final act of his career in Portland in the Western Conference Finals in 2019, he has this monster game in Game 4. Leonard fakes, Leonard flips it up, and good! He's 9 for 11 from the field. He scores 30 points and grabs 12 rebounds. The most points Myers Leonard has scored in a half in his career. And again, Myers Leonard lighting it up. He's got 20. And it's a moment for him. And he said it brought him to tears hearing the crowd, which the fans who had uh, been, uh, as as they say, New York, giving it to him for so long, for so many yeah. years. Yeah, he's a lottery pick. Now chanting his name. Leonard feeling it, tries another three. Hey! Again. This crowd showing appreciation for the effort. And then after the season's over, he gets traded to Miami. And in Miami, that very first season, the 2019-2020 season that ended prematurely because of the pandemic and wasn't picked up until a few months later, he is now, finally, for the first time in his career, an every night starter starting every game at center for the Miami Heat. And in the finals, in the bubble, by this point he's he's suffered an injury, but he does start two games in those finals against the Lakers at center for the Heat. Leonard throws it down on a nice feed from Hero. And the last time 
I mean, the last time he had made any amount of news, really, was during that finals run, actually, Jeremy, in the bubble. Because, again, this is 2020. This is in the wake now of the murder of George Floyd at the peak of the Black Lives Matter movement. And Myers Leonard was known as that guy, the guy who chose to stand during the national anthem instead of kneeling with the rest of his teammates. And that part of his story, what did he tell you about that? Yeah, we talked about that. His older brother, who's a couple of years older than him, uh, was a Marine. He served two tours in Afghanistan. And Myers essentially said that he felt he would be betraying his brother by not standing for the anthem. In Miami, I had the support of my teammates. I had the support of the staff and the organization because I sat and, frankly, I cried and explained what I felt because of my brother serving. Everyone kneeling during the anthem except the Heat Center, Myers Leonard, he said, I absolutely believe in Black Lives Matter. He has a brother who served in Afghanistan, and he just didn't want to kneel. Myers Leonard posting this after the game. Quote, I stand. I stand for the men and women, like my brother, who have served this country. That's my real-life experience as it pertains to the military and the flag and the anthem. That also doesn't mean that I... I wasn't upset at my teammates if they wanted to know. I understood where they were coming from. And this tension by this point in 2020 was a familiar tension, right? It is the question of how to clarify what we mean when we are protesting symbols that mean very different things to different people. But the point here is that eventually all of that controversy recedes into the background because the Heat are making this surprise finals run. And obviously they're going to lose to the Lakers, but... Myers Leonard then enters free agency that summer, and he gets offered a new deal by the Miami Heat, who want him back to the tune of two years and $20 million. And so that next season, Jeremy, as Miami is now looking to defend that conference title, how does it go for their starting center? So this is the high point for him in his career. He's in a place where he feels comfortable. He feels that he's going to get an opportunity now to show people what he is capable of. Uh, he, he's really in love with the culture of the organization. And then the new season starts on Christmas Day, 2020, and he's almost immediately injured, suffers a shoulder injury. And he's going to have to undergo surgery, and it's going to end his season. And so when your season ends in the NBA, I assume you go off and you do rehab, you do the standard stuff. But what else does Myers Leonard, Jeremy, decide to do. Myers Leonard uh, ends up with all of this free time now playing a lot of video games. You know, I'm not sure if it was a lot of different video games, but he spent a lot of time in particular playing one video game, Call of Duty. Yeah, Jeremy, I don't think of you as a as a gamer. I should no. make that clear to our no. audience as well. In, any, in either sense of the word, you know, so... <laughs> Well, you know, I'm just not sure how much you really knew heading into reporting this about Twitch, about uh, Call of Duty itself, or about the, yeah, uh, the atmosphere in online gaming, which is uh, horrifying at times for even the most grizzled veterans. Yeah, you know much more about my lack of <laughs> gaming knowledge than I know about it. I, I freely admit, you know, I, you know, I, I was talking to Myers. I say, so explain to me, how does this work? You're playing a video game and other people are watching. Right. And how many people are watching at any given time? And he said, maybe a few dozen. And it's easy, I think, 
for many listeners to imagine this part. Like, you see him in this first-person shooter game. He's wandering around. You can watch him play the game, and there's another guy he's talking to in a little box, and he's interacting with fans. Gaming was always fun. It was a way to communicate with friends, but it was also a way to communicate with fans through Twitch. It felt like a really authentic way for me to communicate with fans in an environment that I also enjoyed outside of basketball. And so Myers Leonard is streaming a game of Call of Duty on Twitch. And this is March 8th, 2021 now. And then what happens? Yeah, so, you know, he's he's playing Call of Duty live on Twitch. I don't know how many people watch it, a few dozen, whatever the case may be. You know, he gets to this heated moment in the game. And at a moment of peak frustration, he shouts this out. Let's go, baby. Fucking cowards. Don't fucking snag me, you fucking bitch. <laughs> I just dropped that on my head. That didn't even go to fucking. Um, anyways. So, what Leonard has said in that short rant, uh, he had used this classic anti Semitic slur which, you know, I think most people consider the ultimate anti-Semitic epithet here in the U.S. And I think it's different, you know, in the TV piece, people will will see it. There's a visual representation of it. But, you know, people who don't know what the word is, uh, I I think I could say it, right? The word is kike, uh, K-I-K-E. And this is what Leonard has said. And so when you get Myers Leonard in front of you now in the present on camera and you can ask him anything, what's the first thing you wanted to know? The first thing, the very first thing, Pablo, right, is did he know what he was saying? Did you know what the word means, Where anything about its history? Absolutely not. And that's, again, there are absolutely no excuses for what happened that day. And ignorance, sadly, is a very real thing. And that's what I was. I'm not running from this, but I did not know that it happened. Where do you think you picked up the word? I have obviously had a very long time to think about this. I believe that over the years, there's less than ideal language used in a large portion of video gaming. I just believe that the level of exposure to that volatility is is likely what led to the outburst. So you had no idea that this word is a derogatory term for Jewish people? No, absolutely not. And so his defense of his ignorance is genuine ignorance about the word and the fact that he didn't know what it meant. And we'll get to all of that. We'll unpack the word and and everything associated in a bit. But the reaction at the time when this word is uttered live on Twitch is what? There is no reaction. Um... You know, again, it wasn't a large audience. Myers, uh, to hear him say, you know, finished, you know, uh, the game, you know, got offline and and didn't know that he had done anything out of the ordinary, certainly anything that would change his life. And it's not until the next day and he's back on Twitch and he's back playing Call of Duty that he gets a phone call and he finds out that what happened the day before is now bouncing all over the internet. Grab it, I gotta take a quick phone call. Yep. 
It is remarkable, Jeremy, to watch this video now and to see the face of a person who has suddenly realized live on Twitch again that something in his life has just gone seriously wrong. Yo, my wife needs me. She just called me. I'll, uh, I gotta roll, brother. GG's. Okay. Hey, did you hear about that? What do you think? Yep. Because whether his wife actually needed him or not, it's clear at this point that he has realized that he needs to get off of Twitch immediately and go sort this out. And you, you know, we don't have the recording, you know, of what happens next when Myers gets this call and he realizes and he's trying to process like, what did I say? What, what's going on? What am I, you know, why am I trending now? And then, of course, it all dawns on him. And I'll never forget, I saw one link. All I had to do was type my name on Twitter. And I walked up to my wife and I said, hey, I really need to talk to you. She said, I'm in the middle of something. No. I said, no, no, I really need to talk to you. I said, I don't know what this means. I think I've made a really, really big mistake. I think also, Pablo, you know, this is 2021 when this takes place two years ago. You know, this has been the last several years, a time at which the Jewish community has felt more under attack than it has in a long time. The norms in terms of what people could say about the Jewish community, the kind of public expression of anti-Semitism has been growing. Look, it's always been there. It's, ne it's never going away. But over the last, I don't know how many years, the growing sense in the community, it's not just a sense, it's a reality. Attacks on the Jewish community, actual physical attacks that would not have been countenanced in the mainstream uh, in the past, have been, and to some degree normalized. You know, attacks on Jewish communities, on temples, for instance, you know, in Pittsburgh, in San Diego. There has been a shooting at a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The deadliest attack on American Jews in our nation's history. A deadly attack at a synagogue near San Diego. Chilling surveillance video that captures the horror at that kosher market in New Jersey and what police say was a targeted attack. And so there is this heightened sensitivity about it now for obvious reasons. That is the backdrop to this moment with Myers Leonard. And so when this all sinks in and Myers Leonard apparently has now pieced together exactly what he had done and why people are mad about it, what's his next move? So Myers Leonard issues an apology on Instagram. Leonard apologized Tuesday saying he didn't understand what the term meant when he said it, but he added, quote, my ignorance about its history and how offensive it is to the Jewish community is absolutely not an excuse. And I was just wrong. He's first indefinitely suspended by the Heat. The Miami Heat announced that center Myers Leonard will be away from the team indefinitely while the NBA conducts an investigation of his use of an anti-Semitic slur. The Miami Heat, but this is something they don't really tolerate. The owner is Jewish. There's a big Jewish community in Miami, and they're going to have to believe that he was really sorry. Then the NBA comes in and, and makes it a one-week suspension Finds him for $50,000. But, you know, what's happening online, there's this, you know, incredible vitriol. And just a few days after the incident, the Heat, 
uh, the team that just signed him to this deal, mm. trades him now to Oklahoma City. It was one of these, you know, trade situations where you know, they basically unpacked his salary to the Thunder, and the Thunder then just dumped him the next week, released him. Right, just bookkeeping. That's it, just a bookkeeping move. And so this guy who, you know, was at the high point of his career, and you could say his life, and now he's a pariah. I don't know where the hell Myers Leonard picked that up. What are you thinking? Like, where's your head? Where's your heart? He has a lot of young kids yeah. looking at him. They don't know what this word means, but they heard Miles use it. Mm -hmm. And so now they're going to go out and use the same word in the same way, thinking it's cool because this guy's it. There's the criticism in the media, but what's happening online, on social media, that, that ugliness, um, that is really frightening. And it's frightening in a way that is different. Also, from the fear and disrespect and just visceral reactions that Myers Leonard himself had provoked by using the slur in the first place, right? And so this is the next phase now of the dystopian internet controversy cycle. And he wanted to tell you about that part, too. I felt like I had just destroyed my life and everything that I worked for, to be honest. That includes my wife, who was being brutally attacked as well. I mean, for the better part of a year, people were threatening to, to murder and rape my wife. I had 24-hour security outside the house. This would have been by Tuesday night. Um, Wednesday, I was doing Zoom calls with the league and the PA to, you know, understand what was going to happen to me. Um, Wednesday, the hate had gotten so bad. And let me just say, people had every right to... I suppose, make assumptions about me. People were going to have to in the media comment on this. And I understand. I do. You know, Wednesday night, the hate had gotten so bad that I scheduled a flight home for Ellie to Illinois. I couldn't risk having her, something happen to her. So... Who are these people making these threats? Who, who, I mean, these horrible, these horrible threats? Just people on social media. I chose to uh, completely, you know, disengage. And, you know, obviously one of my wife and I had to be somewhat aware of everything that was going on so we could at least try to grasp it, I guess. I remember looking myself in the mirror when I uh, sent Ellie home. It was, it was twofold. I said, you better go handle this and to show people what's in your heart. But... I was alone and I just, I thought that it'd be easier to be dead than it would be to deal with what had just happened because I want everyone to like me. I don't hate anybody. I would never intentionally hurt anybody. And intent, it does matter. I mean, to be clear, but the question of exactly how much it matters when you weigh it against actual actions and, yes, this truly traumatic history that has been invoked, I want to get to how we balance all of that after the break. Pick up. 
passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So it does feel like this is a good moment in the show now, Jeremy, to just sort of acknowledge the fact that I think a lot of people out there probably don't understand the history, at least, of the slur that is at the center of this story. Mm. How would you explain why it's so hurtful to an entire population of people? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, other than because the word itself, its etymology is unknown. Mm. So it's not about the meaning of the word. It's not about the derivation of the word. It's about what the word has come to signify as an epithet on it. It kind of lives on its own island. You know, I'm Jewish is the, like, kind of the ugliest thing you can say. There are other, there are certainly many other ugly slurs, anti-Semitic slurs. Right. But this one, it just cuts a little uh, deeper, a little bit sharper. And uh, in preparation, actually, for this interview, Pablo, I went back and, and did some research and trying to figure out, you know, where does the word come from? There's disagreement about its origins. But after Myers Leonard used it, there's a very long story in the foreword, the Jewish uh, periodical. One of the theories, perhaps the most widely accepted, is that it's the Yiddish, the Yiddish word for circle is keikel, with an L at the end. And at Ellis Island, Jews coming uh, to Ellis Island, mostly from Eastern Europe, who were illiterate, would not sign their name with an X associating it with Christianity, so they would use a circle. Mm. And that somehow becomes Keichel to the slur. Right. This mark that categorizes this group of people that it is then weaponized against in, in very documented public ways. And so this word, Jeremy, this slur, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I, you know, I can't recall a time anyone ever using the word at me. Fortunately, you know, I, I've certainly had other moments where, you know, anti-Semitic comments, whether, you know, it's, you know, you do a story people don't like, whatever it might be. But if I were walking down the street and somebody said that word to me or in a confrontation, whatever it might be, I, I would be very angry because I know that it's the worst thing you can say in that context to a Jewish person. 
And so the the simple fact that Myers Leonard, again, said that he simply did not know the word itself, that right. it was, in fact, connoting the weight of history that you are alluding to. Do you believe that? Well, that's always uh, you know, a tough question, you know, Pablo, when you're asked as a reporter to look inside someone's heart and mind. Yeah. What I'll say is this. I am 53 years old. I grew up in New York, obviously, a large Jewish population. My whole life, I've known that word. I've known uh, what it represents. Since I started working on this story, knowing I would be speaking Myers Leonard, I've been asking other people, people younger than me, and I think it's generational, mm. asking Jewish people younger than me, who I have to say I was shocked to find out had no idea what the word meant. Now, you know, Myers Leonard, and he, and he was, you know, quick to say he's not making any excuses, but, you know, he's from a town, Robinson, Illinois, and it's hard to find census figures for religious affiliation. You know, the U.S. Census doesn't ask those questions, but I was looking up Robinson, Illinois. As far as I can tell, at least according to some of the figures, there are no Jews in Robinson, Illinois out of 7,000 people. Mm. Maybe there are a few, but they're not in these kind of unofficial religious affiliation census numbers. But he went to a big university, University of Illinois. He lived in Miami, he lived in Portland. But younger people, people I know, I talked to younger Jewish people from big metropolitan areas who said they'd never heard the word. And, and, and that was shocking to me. Yeah. Now, Myers Leonard, of course, had heard the word. Yes. Because he used it. Yes. Which is different. But it does seem <laughs> highly plausible to me knowing all these younger Jewish people who don't know what the word means, that he didn't know what it means. Right. There was this obvious implication that it was a word that's meant to insult. Right. A word that Myers Leonard in his own recounting had learned again in the horrifying atmosphere of online gaming, which that part too is plausible. It's, right. it's a cesspool. But this gets to, yes, the complexity of, of intent when it comes to racial insults and... And yeah, the question of then how to apologize. And, and if you, you know, you're, you're asking me directly, do I believe him? You know, uh, I do. Maybe I'm naive. Maybe, maybe I'm someone too willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but to me, the apparent obscurity of the word now. Yeah, I, I, as I said, I find it highly plausible that he had no idea what the word meant, what it connoted, uh, who, who it even applied to. Right. I mean, there's also just let's like game it out strategically, right? Like if he was using it with intention, it is a thing that on some level he had to know would get him in trouble. Right. And it feels like this did catch him by some degree of surprise for whatever that part is worth. No doubt. This was an obviously extremely unfortunate choice of words. Yes. Um, but it wasn't directed at someone as an expression of Jew hatred. God, no. I'm hopeful that, frankly, Jeremy, from this interview, people will start to understand. Because everything, a vast majority of it anyway, has been private. And that was intentional. I posted something very simple, apologizing and explaining myself with text. But I knew that what was right in my heart was to go to the source, which was to the community. We just heard Myers Leonard say the word community there. Uh, what are we talking about in practical terms? Yeah, so 
you know, coming back to the timeline, Pablo, he says the word on Monday. On Tuesday, it goes viral. On Wednesday, which he described as probably the worst day of his life, he got a message from a Jewish friend of his who lives in Toronto. And the friend, Meyer said, expressed, you know, Senman, I know, I know you, I know your heart. This isn't a true reflection of your character. I want you to speak to a friend of mine. He's a rabbi who lives in South Florida. He runs a Chabad in Broward County. A Chabad is a center of Jewish learning. And the idea is to educate people about Judaism at a Chabad. He said, look, Mars, I think this would be easier if, if we did this in person. I said, okay, when? He said, tomorrow at 8 a.m. at my Chabad. I said, I'd love it. Mind you, I had never been to a synagogue. I had never been to a Chabad before. I drove an hour north to Boca Raton, pulling the Chabad. I'll never forget. I looked at a man standing there, and I thought to myself, wow, I'm really here. I'm going to be okay. So uh, we go in the Chabad. We go to his office. And uh, wow, what a, what a genuine, nice man. Just open arms. And he asked me to explain everything that happened again and do it in person. This is less than 48 hours after this has become a big story. Yes. Everything blows up on Tuesday. Wednesday is certainly probably the worst day of my life because I had to send my wife home and all the turmoil and everything. Thursday morning, boom, 8 a.m. And I remember we got about five minutes in, and again, I'm just pouring tears, trying to hold him back, but I just can't. And he stops me and he says, Myers, I need to tell you something. I said, okay. He said, you're a good man with a good soul. I promise you I will help you through this. It's going to be hard, but I will help educate you and I will help you meet other people in the community and everything will work out. And then one last thing, this happened for you, not to you. You'll understand eventually. And that part, Jeremy, the part where Myers is told this happened for you, not to you, something that you will understand eventually. What is your understanding of what that means? What I take it to mean is that through this incident and through the journey you are going to undertake uh, of forgiveness and redemption, so forth, you're going to grow. You're going to have a deeper understanding of the Jewish community, of people outside your own community in general, and that you will grow through this. That's what it meant to me. So there is this initial meeting at the Chabad in, uh, in Broward County, but that's not where this, this ends. This is just the beginning. And he builds these deep relationships with people in the Jewish community including another rabbi in South Florida who becomes one of his mentors, Ephraim Goldberg. And eventually, uh, you know, he is a guest on Rabbi Goldberg's, I guess it's a video podcast, you would call it. I, I admit I love the, the title of the show. It's called Behind the Bema. And the Bema is the altar in a temple. <laughs> this is one part of your life. And this is a piece of your life. And now it's informing your life going forward. You've become a friend, an advocate. And that same large platform, which drew all the negativity because of the one mistake, is the same large platform that you're using to spread light and do good things and that God has put you in this position for. He's trying to do what he said he was going to do, make this right. And that's about what he said. 
reaching out to the community, building understanding, not just talking, but also listening. You know, including speaking to, in a variety of different situations, Jewish organizations. I made a big mistake. Uh, I think most of you in the crowd probably know what happened, but the thing that I'm most thankful for is how much grace and forgiveness I've been shown by the Jewish community. So again, the most generous interpretation of Myers Leonard's account here is that he did not know what the word meant and said it just to say something to get under the skin of someone else he was playing video games with. The least generous interpretation of it is that this was an exclamation of anti-Semitic origin that he did know was bad for that reason. But but either way, I guess, Jeremy, like the thing that I want to train my cynicism on is just now the choreography, the theater of public contrition, which you alluded to before, right? Because again, this is his path back to the job and the money he used to have. And I just wonder your read on this, right? Like what did Myers Leonard say that he really learned after he went on this journey to get back to good? Yeah, I mean, those are all fair questions, Pablo. He's also in the position, right? Anything he does, if he engages with the community, someone's going to be cynical about it. You're only doing it because. If he doesn't, what does that say? It's a difficult position, right? I think, you know, based on what uh, I heard Rabbi Goldberg say about him, other people in the Jewish community who've been around him, that this is genuine, that this is a real journey in search of understanding and forgiveness. And he came back to a few times in the course of our conversation, the idea that he's been so moved by the willingness people have shown to forgive him in the Jewish community, but that he is not quite forgiven himself. Sadly, I'm not there yet, but I'm inching there. Why not? Why haven't you forgiven yourself? I believe because to the core of my very being is love. And the fact that I had made, while an ignorant mistake, a big mistake and a hurtful one, outwardly towards other people, crushed my soul. All the time you spent with these Jewish groups, with the rabbis, Hillel at Miami, et cetera, is there anything in particular, I hate to put you on the spotlight, like okay. from Jewish culture or mm. tradition that you have absorbed that you are now applying to yourself as you go through this journey? Great job putting me on the spot. The answer is that the love, period, love. Walk outside your door, love people, be kind, forgive. Through a big mistake of mine, I met a loving community. I met people that had been through extremely difficult times, yet they loved me. And they wanted me to love myself. Difficult, hard conversations matter. Putting yourself out there matters. This is an opportunity for me to right a wrong, face the man in the mirror, and continue to go make loving relationships. It's also important to bear in mind that I think there's kind of a misconception out there because this was such a big deal when it happened that he hasn't played the last two years because of this. Mm -hmm. That's not really the case. I mean, it's unclear exactly how much it's a factor, but he hasn't been healthy until now. 
he couldn't have played. Mm. Not only does he have that shoulder surgery that put him out for the season, but a few weeks after this, he has ankle surgery. And he said that led to nerve damage. So he's been working for two years physically to get back. Mm. And now that he's physically fit, you know, he was ready to talk and to talk to us and to, to tell his story. And, you know, people will have to judge for themselves whether they think this journey is genuine. I came away feeling that it was. Yeah, we should also note the other obvious thing about this conversation, which is that it is happening not terribly long after Myers Leonard had been displaced, Jeremy, as the foremost NBA player embroiled in a very public controversy around anti-Semitism. I mean, it's just been a couple months since Kyrie Irving posted that link to that film on Amazon that was rife with anti-Semitic content. And then... Yes, refused for a time to clarify, to apologize for it, and it became this deeply messy, complicated saga that led to his own suspension and loss of sponsorships. And we've chronicled all of that on this show before as well. But I am curious, when you talk to Myers Leonard about watching Kyrie Irving's story unfold, what did he have to say about that? Yeah, and of course, Pablo, you know, that was something we wanted to ask him about because um, it was such a big deal. And I thought he was thoughtful and he was also careful. People have platforms. And again, I can only speak for myself that while mine isn't as large as some of these NBA players or other athletes or whomever, my only goal is to always spread positivity and light and love and um, to now to say like, hey, look, I made a big mistake. And this is what I've done since then. And that's, that's, that's the important thing to me. It's not to point the finger. It's not to say like, oh, well, this person did that. And why did they not get in trouble? Or why was their fine less? No. Face it head on, say you're sorry, and make it right. And so at the end here, Jeremy, what does Myers Leonard's future actually look like now in terms of basketball and, yeah, otherwise? Well... He's about to turn 31, but he's kind of an unusual case. 31 might be verging on over the hill for some, but he doesn't have a ton of mileage on him. He's been resting his body, healing his body for the last couple of years, but he is you know, obviously very motivated to get back in the league. He became a father in the midst of all this last summer on June 7th. He has a son now, Liam, he and his wife, Ellie. And he says that he's back to full strength or nearly back to full strength from the nerve damage he says he suffered as a result of this procedure on his leg. He's worked out with the Lakers in the last few weeks. I'm told that there are other teams that are interested in him, but he very much hopes to be back in the league soon. What's it going to be like to... Be back on the court if you get that chance. It'll be a big mix of emotions. I'll be extremely proud to know that coming through the mistake in the hardest time of my life, somehow I prevailed. I'll be nervous because it'll be my first time back on an NBA floor competing against NBA players. Admittedly, I'll be a little scared of what someone might say to me, what a fan might say. But I always come back to this. It's the right thing to do. I can't quit now. 
And I won't because I'm hopeful that I can inspire whomever, whether it's dealing with an injury like I have or dealing with a, a mistake that, that I had, don't give up. If you're a good person and you work hard, things are going to work out in life. And I wholeheartedly believe that. Jeremy Schaff, thank you for reporting out a story that is extremely modern and also very old at the same time. Thank you, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.